we're so thankful for the promise of that restored fellowship, the promise of that forgiveness, that we don't have to do acts of penance. We don't have to do good works to deserve your forgiveness or to, or to earn it. But Father, we confess our sins to you. And you, because you're faithful and just, because of what you've done for us in Christ, you forgive us, you restore us, and we thank you for that today. We thank you for your amazing love in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to look some more at his amazing love. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to start with the 13th verse in reading this morning, remembering that this comes on the heels of his great statement on the day of the Lord. Because remember, the Thessalonians, some of them had been misled by some false teachers that the day of the Lord had already, had already come, had already begun. That the, that the final things, the final week, as Daniel puts it, uh, the final week of this world's history um, was was already under underway, and Paul said, "No, that's not the case." And he and he went through at the beginning of chapter two to explain to them how they how they would could be sure that that hadn't taken place yet. But as he was describing that that beginning of the end of this world in the great tribulation, he was describing how awful it was going to be after the church was taken out of this world and with us the Holy Spirit in His splendor. Because believe it or not, the Holy Spirit is displayed with splendor in the world right now through his people, through the church. We don't always live up to that. We don't always look like that. But when you think of the transforming power of God in the lives of people, it's an amazing thing. Even what's happening here this morning is an amazing thing. I mean, right this minute, everybody in this room is getting along. That's that's an amazing thing. God is doing a work in our lives. He's doing works in in our marriages, in our families, in our community, but he's using us. He is glorified in his church today by the power of his Holy Spirit. And when this church, not just this local church, but when this church, the body of Christ, is taken out of this world and with us, the splendor of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's still going to be in the world because God is everywhere. God is spirit, and he's everywhere. And he is going to be drawing people and, and, and saving people during the Great Tribulation. But most of the people during the Great Tribulation are going to continue in their rebellion against God, and they're going to be judged, and they're going to spend eternity separated from God. And it's an awful thought. And on the heels of that thought, the Apostle Paul remembers the Thessalonians, the believers in Thessalonica. And he describes them like this, verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, there he is again, and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
We talked a couple of weeks ago about this this wonderful sanctifying work that God has chosen us for in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the importance, the necessity of belief in the Lord Jesus Christ to secure this wonderful salvation that he's describing here. And then he continues now in verse 14, saying he called you to this, this salvation that is given to us by God. Remember, this is a salvation that is completely bought for us by Jesus Christ. That's why we have the cross to celebrate, to remind us. This salvation that we have is a gift from God through Jesus Christ. And he's called us to this wonderful gift through our gospel. Remember this. I was explaining to the children this morning. Hopefully some of you are listening in. You do realize that that's mainly for you, what what I'm talking to the kids. It's the introduction to what what we're going to be speaking of in the Word every, every Sunday morning. The gospel. Remember this. Don't, don't let that just be a word of, of Christianese. Because that's what it is for most people. It's, it's sort of a Christian word that doesn't really mean anything. And, and the reason for that is most of the Bible translators just took an old English word that meant something when it was, when it was first translated, you know, 500 years ago. God's spell. It meant good news, good tidings. But gospel doesn't mean anything in, in our English. It literally means good news. So whenever you see the word gospel, remember good news. The gospel of John, the, 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 the 21 chapters that, that the apostle John wrote about the life of Christ, that's called the gospel. That's good news. Everything in that, that letter, everything in that history, Everything in that biography is good news. The gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, those are the stories of Jesus. That's good news. But also the message that brings the news of what Jesus Christ has done, that is the gospel. That is the good news. And it's through that good news, the preaching of that good news, the announcing, the proclaiming of that good news that God calls people out of their sin and into his glorious light, into his forgiveness, into his fellowship. Look with me to Romans chapter 10 just for a moment. It's a couple of letters back toward the beginning of the New Testament. Romans chapter 10, where he describes the gospel in a, in a beautiful way as well. Romans chapter 10, starting with the eighth verse. Look at this description of it. Romans 10, 8. Excuse me. It's not funny. 
Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is one of those. But what does it say? Romans 10.8. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, listen to this, everyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for, listen to this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The gospel. You see, that is what God uses to do this calling work that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. He uses the gospel, the message of the good news. And it's, as I was telling the children, I was serious about it. It is good news for everybody. The tragic part about it is so many people don't realize the, the, the terrible state that they're living in. Oh, they know, they know their lives are messed up. They know their world is messed up. They see all of that. They feel all that. But they don't believe the reason why. They don't believe that they are sinners. They don't believe that they have sinned against God, their creator. I hope you're getting a, a sense of, of, of his greatness, of his goodness, as we were singing about, it's your air. That we, believe, that we breathe. You see, we, we as believers in Christ, we recognize that. But those who don't believe, they don't recognize that. They don't recognize who he is and how they've sinned against him through their entire lives at almost every turn. They don't, they don't see their, their wickedness of their hearts. They, they see other people who are much worse than they are and think, well, I'm not that bad. They compare themselves to a murderer or rapist instead of the almighty, wonderful, holy, righteous God, and they don't see their own sinfulness. And they don't realize that they are on their way to a Christless, godless, gloryless eternity to be judged for their rebellion against almighty God who made every provision necessary for them to be forgiven and to be saved. This is good news. And somebody's got to tell them. That's the the nature of the way God does his calling. He decided he was going to do this through people. Even ultimately, through the amazing person of Jesus Christ, the God-man, 
fully man, fully God. But even under him, through his apostles, and even under them, through his disciples, his followers, his believers, like us, that we would share this good news with one another. You know, it's, it's always good. It's, it's good to share the good news, even with a group of people that all believe in Jesus. Did you know that? It's a good thing for us to do that because we have to remember this all the time. We have to remember what God has done for us. We have to remember that salvation is from him, that this is his work, that this is his doing, that this is his drawing, that this is his choosing, that we bring him the honor, that we bring him the glory, that we don't ever think, oh, we deserve this somehow. We're really pretty good people deep down. No, no. We need to remind each other of the gospel, the good news, to remember that we, deep down, are not good people and that we need this. We needed the cross. We needed the perfect lamb of God to go to that cross and to die for us. We needed him to do that. So even if everybody in this room and everybody watching us were believers in Christ, it would still be good for us to remember the glory of the gospel. The good news, because we were lost and dead and going to be judged for eternity until he did what he did on the cross, until God provided for us what we needed, the only thing that we needed. That's why we can sing to Jesus, you are all we need. We think, well, wait a minute, you know, we we, we got to eat, we got to live. Yes, but ultimately... Jesus Christ is all we need because he has provided for us what we need forever. And forever is what we're living for. Remember, this life right now is a very, very temporary life. This is not lasting that long. We don't know how long anyone has. Some people have an extremely short life and other people have what seems like in comparison extremely long lives, but none of our lives are long compared to the length of eternity. And the good news is that God has done everything that needs to be done to prepare us for that eternity. And that is good news. That is something to be excited about. That's something that's worth getting up on a Sunday morning for and getting together with some other people and singing about, which is why we do it. It's worth that. This This is great news. And it's that great news that God has given us to use to call us into fellowship with him. And for and I love the way John puts it, and I quote it a lot. In in chapter one of the Gospel of John. When, when John's describing how almost none of the Jews believed in Jesus, almost none of them received him as the, as the King of kings and Lord of lords that he is. But John says this in verse 12. He says, but to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, because that's how you receive him, believing on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is amazing. Sinful people like us, in the midst of a sea of people who don't believe it, who don't receive him, 
in the midst of that sea of people, we say, well, yeah, I believe that. It's true. He did that for me. I needed him to do that for me. I'm a sinful person. I've sinned against him from the day I was born, from before I was born. I was born in sin. I was conceived in sin. And he recognized my need. And I love, and I quote this a lot too, I love the way Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8, or excuse me, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This should, this should excite us every time we think of it, every time we hear of it, because this is our hope. And he adds one more absolutely amazing blessing to this great news. And that is as he continues back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. As he finishes off that statement, after he says he called you to this through our gospel, the good news, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, does anything get more amazing than that? That you might share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. He introduced this this principle earlier in chapter 1. We've looked at it briefly. We, as, as recipients of this good news, and not only recipients, but those who acted on it, those who obeyed it, as he puts it in the, in the first part of Second Thessalonians, to those who obeyed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that means to believe, that's how you obey the gospel, believe it. To those of us who believe it, not only are we going to be forgiven of our sins, and we are, he's going to top that off. He's going to share his glory. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to share his glory with us. That's what I was talking about. I wasn't kidding about my eyesight um, being a, a glimpse, if that works together, a glimpse of what's to come. But every bad thing in this world, including getting old, every bad thing in this world, every tragedy that we experience, that we endure, every illness, every sickness, every heartache, every broken relationship, all, everything, every time your house falls apart, or part of it, or your car, all all of this stuff, Every bad thing that we look at as bad, every one of those things is preparing us for something. It's part of God's plan to get us ready. That's why he was able to say, though outwardly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day by the gospel, by the good news 
by the truth of what he has done in us and by the promises that he's made. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day so that our light and momentary troubles, they don't feel light and momentary while they're happening. It didn't feel light and momentary for Joseph when his brothers threw him in that cistern. That's a big wet hole. It didn't feel light and momentary when they sold him to those slavers. It didn't feel light and momentary when he got thrown into the Egyptian prison for doing nothing but honoring God. It didn't feel light and momentary to him. But he started to get a glimpse of it when he was standing there as president of Egypt. And his brothers came to him after the passing of their father, and they're thinking, okay, now he's going to get us back. He's got the power. Our dad's gone. He's not worried about hurting dad's feelings. He's not worried about upsetting dad. Now he's really going to do it to us. He knows they're thinking that, and he says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good and for the salvation of many lives. He was starting to get a glimpse of what God does through these terrible things. Because that's what God does. He's going to share his glory with us. He says that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In, in, In essence, making them incomparable. It's not even worth comparing, as he says in Romans chapter 8. The trouble that we're going through now, the difficulties that we face now in this life are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us, in his glory. Did you see the promises that Mark read from Isaiah 60 to the people of Israel? Israel has had quite a history. Quite a history, difficult history. Brought on by their own disobedience, by their own sinfulness by their own rebellion against God, but his promise to Israel never changed. And he makes that promise in Isaiah 60 that they also are going to share in the glory. Did you see in the passage in Romans 10, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Everybody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, so every believing Jew, every believing Gentile, we are all going to, by the gospel, by the good news, by the work of Christ, we are all going to share in the glory of God for all eternity. It's an amazing fact. That part of the good news needs to be shared. People need to hear that from us. That this life is just a reminder of how much better the next one is going to be. Can you you look at this life like that? Can you look at this temporary time in this world like that and use it for his eternal glory? That's, That's what he wants. That's what he sees the Thessalonians doing. These folks were living in tough times, like we are. And you can't compare really and say, well, theirs was a little bit tougher, ours a little. Tough times. Tough times. Some of us right now are going through unimaginably tough times. Or is it unimaginably? It's hard. Beyond our ability 
as Paul put it in his, in his own case in 2 Corinthians 1, beyond our ability to endure. He says, we despaired even of our very lives. And then we remembered. Smile comes to the face. In the midst of that despair, the smile comes to the face because he's reminded of the gospel. He says, our God raises the dead. See, that's the gospel. That's what God does. He remembered what Jesus told Mary and Martha when they were so sad at the passing of their brother. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And whoever dies and believes in me will rise again. This is the gospel. We get to live forever in his glory. Not in some corner of, of, of heaven because we don't deserve it. No, we don't deserve it, but he makes us worthy by his Holy Spirit. That sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that we saw in salvation, that also goes on in our growth. During these hard days, he's growing us in our faith. Some of us will get to the point where we can look at life like Joseph did and make a a great statement like that. Oh, you intended it for for evil, but God intended it for good. Some of us will, will grow in our faith to where we can make a statement like that. That's God's goal for all of us as he conforms us to the image of Christ. As he makes us more and more like Jesus Christ, he wants us to see this world like that. Did you see how Jesus used his 33 years in his human flesh in this world? You see how he used it? He used it all for eternity. He, he used it all to keep pointing people to the permanent life, not the temporary one. He warned them over and over and over again in the Gospels. Read these. He warned them over and over again. Don't get too caught up in this temporary life. Don't store up for yourselves treasure in a place where rust and moth destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, don't don't waste your life on that. Invest your life on what's going to last forever. And I can give that to you. But I'm the only one that can give that to you. I am the way and the truth and life, he said in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's more of the gospel, the good news. This is good news. Somebody say, well, that doesn't sound so good. He's only, he's only going to save those people who believe in him. Yes, but he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Everyone. It's good news. Believe it believe in him. He has taken care of it for you. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, he has said that to you. Call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Calling out to him for salvation, calling out to him for forgiveness, meaning that you recognize your sinfulness. Calling out to him to lead and guide you, to give you wisdom and strength for this life recognizing that he is now in charge. I say now, as you're finally recognizing that he's in charge, because he's always been in charge. But giving your life to him, calling out to him, 
to be saved. He saves everyone who calls out to him. So yes, this is good news for everybody. If you choose not to receive it, you choose not to receive him, then you will take upon yourself and receive in yourself the wages of your sin, which, as Paul says in Romans 6.23, is death. That's what you will receive. That will be because you have chosen not to receive the gift that he's offered you. It's good news. It's good news. It's good news for us who have already believed to remember. It, it reignites us every time we think about it, every time we focus on it, every time we meditate on it. It reignites us to living for eternity, living for his glory, living for a glory that we don't even understand yet that he is going to share with us for all eternity. And if you haven't received him yet, remember this. The offer is made. The offer is good. Even in this corrupt world, this offer is good. There's no strings attached. There's no tricky, funny business going on with it. If you call on him, you will be saved. This is good news. And if I were you, of course, I'm speaking from experience because I was you. There was a day when I wasn't saved. And then that day when I heard these good things, I said, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive you. I would encourage you, if that's you today, say yes to him today. Don't try to make it on your own for another day. Don't try to make it on your own for another hour. First of all, we don't know how many hours we have left. But secondly, even if he gives you a long life after today, you don't want to live another day of it for any other reason for the, than for the one he made you, to live for his glory, because that is life. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are so blessed by the gospel. so blessed because we were so lost before we believed. We were, we were so dead in our trespasses and sins until your kindness and mercy appeared in Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that it is, in fact, not just in imagination, but in fact, good news. For those of us who believe, Father, we praise you for it. We praise you for Jesus, the foundation of that good news, the foundation of that message. And Father, for those who don't know you, we pray for them today. We pray that your Holy Spirit would strongly 
convict them of their sin, remind them of their sinfulness against you. Regardless of who else they've sinned against, that they have sinned primarily against you. And Father, help them to know as they're convicted by their sin that they can be forgiven completely and freely through the work that Jesus did for them. And that that work applies today because he didn't die and stay dead. He rose again from the grave. Help them to see that. Help them to understand that. Help them to trust you that it's for them also. Regardless of what they've done. Regardless of the depths of their sin or their depravity that they would recognize that Jesus died for all of us. Give them the courage and faith to believe today. And Father, we pray that you would take all of us in all of our different positions, all of our different stages of life and growth, that you take all of us here in this local body and grow us not just those who are here this morning, even not just those who are, who are watching online, but all of us, many who are traveling and, and some who are ill, and just all of us, Father, that each one of us would be growing in our faith so that we could see this life for what it is, a tool for eternity. Not to invest our lives and all of our thoughts and our energy and our emotion and our money and everything else, not to invest it in this world that will not last, but to invest it in eternity where we will share in your amazing glory. A glory that is so so bright and immense that we can hardly even begin to comprehend it. But we believe you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.